for your listening pleasure. Here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 256. That's right, the Bits and Bytes episode of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, January 28th, 2021. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who knows that GameStop isn't really worth 275 bucks a share, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Have you, are you invested in the, in the GameStop, my friend? No, I have not invested in it, but we are enthralled with it as a family. Because the first yeah. thing, the first thing my son did when he woke up, he's like, "Well, what's GameStop at?" <laughs> I yeah, like, I, I will tell you. As we record this, it's gone from a close yesterday of three hundred and seventy-four dollars. It is now down to two hundred and sixty dollars as we speak. And then this morning, it, it I think it hit five hundred. So because my <laughs> my son, and we'll talk about some of this later because it's my rave at the yeah. end of the episode. But my son follows a little bit of. Uh, Wall Street bets, which is well, we'll, we'll get to the details later of you if people sure, have not yeah. been paying attention. But the one one of the leaders said, "We're going to take it to five hundred. <laughs> like they're taking and the they movement. Did. Don't sell it till you get to five hundred. So I think they got to five hundred. They might be petering out, but it's fascinating to me. Have you been really paying attention it's- to it? Oh, I have been paying very close attention to this, you know, along with, by the way, some of the, you know, next batter up, right? You know, BlackBerry, Williams-Sonoma, AMC, AMC, uh, iRobot, you know, there, I mean, this is just beginning. (laughs) Well, I've had, uh, I have none of those stocks, but I do have Rite Aid Pharmacy and Rite Aid is not on the top 10, but they're a highly shorted stock. And that one's done really well. That one's up something like 40 or 50% in the last week. So it's just so interesting how these communities can come together and, and make these hedge fund managers quiver a little bit. So. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, hmm, Reddit, uh, you know, Wall Street bets, and then the Discord server. And you might call these, um, there should be a word for this, like groups of people who can manipulate uh, short squeezes. Um, you might call them... Um, um, uh, Something like hedge funds, maybe. Or, yeah, hedge funds. How about we just call them hedge funds? <laughs> anyway, I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but, you know, are you excited for the Super Bowl this year? Uh, you know, as we speak, yeah. the, the teams are set. Kansas City Chiefs and the I, I watched Buccaneers. The, I watched the Bills-Chiefs game. It was hard for me not to think that the Browns should have been in that game. But, you know, what are you going to do? The Bills, great team, good team. We're definitely overmatched by the Chiefs. Oh, definitely, yeah. And not even a here's little bit. my question. Yeah. How does Tom Brady fall apart in the second half of that game for Tampa Bay and they still win? Defense. Yes. Defense. Exactly. They they won that game. Buccaneers won that game despite Tom Brady, not because of Tom Brady. Now, that does not take anything away from Tom Brady. He is still the greatest of all. Somebody had this great article that I read that said, Tom Brady is uh, the the first best and second best quarterback of all oh time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because they basically compared his career from 2002 to 2010 and then from 2010 onward and basically said, yeah, he's the he's the best and second best quarterback of well, all time. Well, he'll be the so, third best, too, when yeah. AI Brady comes out and they can do from 2020 yeah. <laughs> to 2030 or whatever it's going to be. Brady bot. The guy looks Brady younger bot than 2022. he did 10 years ago. The guy does I, he, not age. He does not age. Yeah, he's he's 
devastatingly handsome, which is really annoying um, given his other talents. But I think but, he's yeah. getting younger. I mean, he's going to have to start promoing for toy brands or something. He's really getting. I mean, he looks like he's about twenty. Have you seen that? Have you have you seen that comparison picture between him and George Blanda at the same age? No, I have not. And for those of you who aren't educated in football, George Blanda, a quarterback from the '60s. Um, which he also played into his forties and, you know, George Blanda looks like his grandpa. I mean, you know, it's Blanda's on the sidelines, like smoking a cigarette, drinking a scotch, you know, you know, looking very harried and old. And then they've got picture of boy, Tom, you know, that's beautiful. And, you know, I mean the kid, he looks like his kid. He really, I thought it'd be a picture of Tom Brady. And then the the picture of Blanda would be an urn and a football sitting next to it. (laughs) Well, something like that. Yes, exactly. So are you going to, are you going to watch the the Super Bowl coming up? And oh, of course, yeah. of course, absolutely, I am. I mean, absolutely, I am. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm. I have to say, I'm rooting for Brady. I want him to go out. I mean, basically, you would think that this would be if he wins. He's not going to retire. His, you don't think so? Why? He had another yeah, fantastic I, you know, season. Well, I don't know. I think if I were him, I would. I wouldn't press my luck. But, you know, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't blame him for playing another year, but I, I'm, I'm rooting for him because I, I just think he's just amazing and it would be cool to see him do this with another team. And yeah, it's just, it's just neat. Well, the man just, has just, gone to yeah. 10 Super Bowls, so it's yeah, kind of ridiculous. It's, he can do whatever he wants to do. So Right. I don't, That's I don't right. Know. I mean, he can represent Lego or KB Toys when he gets done. Who knows? <laughs> so, so every, but... <laughs> Before we start, anything that, that we should know? You've had a good week. Things are rolling along It's for a you. good week. Yeah, it's a good week. We're finally getting a taste of winter here in Southern California. A little rain, a little cold. It's actually quite refreshing. I know that's not so much on the East Coast, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a good week. It's been a good week. And and you, you're traveling, actually. Well, yeah, I, we were time. talking before. You know, the family, we just decided, let's just get... the. So the boys are both doing remote school. And we're like, okay, what can we do that's safe and get them out of here? So we we traveled south, and we're in Florida right now, and it has been 70, 80 degrees all week, and we've been just sitting by the pool doing a bunch of nothing. It's been tremendous. And I'm I'm sitting on a bed right now holding a microphone (laughs) because I don't have my usual... That that well that was that was that was uh, you know par usual when it came to us biz- doing business travel right you'd be sitting in a Marriott somewhere you know with a, holding a microphone. I remember one time um, I think it was Singapore. I was trying to string up the mic uh, like uh, above one of the lights so it hung down in front of my head. <laughs> I'm like this is not gonna. Oh, work. That's actually a good idea. I like that. Well, idea. it depends on that's where a- you're at, right? Because I mean they do have you know. Intricate lighting in Singapore, so you can do some things like that. But you can't just go to a Fairfield Inn and make that happen. And it's got to be no, that's correct. It's got to be something yeah. a little swanky. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, this is the first yeah. time I haven't recorded in the office for year, well over a year for sure. Because obviously we haven't been traveling yeah. anywhere. So yeah, but I'm liking this. I'm I might you know we're supposed to leave on Saturday. I would just like to tell my wife that we should stay. Because just stay for a while. There's no yeah. reason for us to go anywhere. No, but yeah, you got yeah, you got your remote work. You're good. And the and the boys don't seem to care. I mean, they're they're more yeah. than happy doing their homework and on their computers. And our only thing is just you got to be outside. Like you can be on your phones and your computers. So they <laughs> just sit by the pool. <laughs> but you got to be outside. Yeah. 
Right. And we're we're like we're we're like oh we're the good parents because oh they're getting outside time you <laughs> know they're getting outside <laughs> right staring into the screen uh, of while but while they're outside is always good e- exactly so but yeah it, I gotta, I gotta right. tell you I'm not gonna talk about Florida but Florida is such a strange place it, oh don't get me started is, on Florida we know my relationship with Florida we've we've talked about this my relationship with Florida I have my yes but I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it just—I mean, even my son's comment. It's like, it's like the Truman Show. It's—you it's, don't really know. Is he's like, is there a camera on us? Like, is this really going on right now? It's just—it's yeah. just strange. But I do love. It the is weather. a very strange place. It's a very, very strange place. And and yeah, I that's mean, all. I won't get say. off on you a rant. Say. To yeah, to, there's no reason to turn off all the Florida listeners right no. now. So we love yeah. you too. We just think it's, we, it's we just do. odd. It you just know. is. It's fine. But people think Cleveland's it's just odd a very, too, so yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, well, the people think LA is weird. I mean, oh, come LA, on. you're I mean, as normal you know, I mean, as they come. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as as my dad used to say, California, he'd say, California is like a bowl of cereal. Everybody who ain't fruits or nuts is a flake. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. I see the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree, right? Uh, no, except yeah. yeah, I don't speak like yeah, that, but, but yeah, he but yeah. All right, hey, we've had a pretty good anyway. pretty good news week, right? I mean, there's some. We had a really interesting yeah. news week, yeah. Um, a bit of a theme to it, I think, as we'll see. Um, and uh, it starts us out with uh, a, um, a source of wonderful news from Axios, uh, which seems to be a more frequent. Uh, source for us these days. Um, and the headline is Twitter is making an acquisition uh, and they are acquiring dun, 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 a newsletter publishing company called Review. And the article opens up by saying Twitter on Tuesday said it had acquired Review, a newsletter platform for writers and publishers. Uh, the deal marks Twitter's first step into building out long form content experiences on Twitter and its first foray into subscription revenue. Uh, while deal terms weren't disclosed, Twitter presumably didn't break the bank to acquire Review, the five-year-old Dutch company has merely six employees and has raised only around $318,000. Twitter will be acquiring the team and plans to expand it once on board. Uh, Fascinating. The article goes on to talk about uh, perhaps what might happen with review, but what say you, Joe Pulitzi, the fan of email? Is this, is this Twitter looking to branch out into all the things we were talking about last week? Well, yes, but and I'm fascinated by it. I'm trying to figure it out. I want to get your take with my with my theory here. I re- I don't know if this is necessary. I mean, you could just look at it on the surface and say this is a good move for Twitter because a lot of their creator communities, of course, love Twitter. That's how you know a lot of writers. I mean, I would say if you're if you're looking for who's the core creators on Twitter, you have a ton of writers and a ton of journalists on that platform, and that's how they get a lot of people going to their content. So this could work well. Great. You you enable those writers. They don't have to necessarily go to Substack. Some people are saying, hey, this is a Substack killer. And by the way, Substack charges 10% when you monetize. Review charges 6 and it looks like Twitter is going to 5 But my theory on this is I think this is to compete not with a Substack, but to compete with the likes of Discord and Slack. This is what I really... I think this is the first move toward a robust, you know, sub communities, if you will, like we see on discord, and you're going to see the start of this subscription happening. And they're saying, okay, well, where are all these rabid communities at? A lot of them can revolve around these creators and these writers. 
Well, if these writers build little mini platforms within Twitter, and then they can build out sub-communities which don't exist yet, you know, you could say, oh, they're hashtags or whatever. But if they said, well, what if there's paid add-on sub-communities like you can get in Discord, what does that do to Twitter? And that takes Twitter to a whole different level. Because you said, okay, what if you have an open public Twitter and then you have, oh, you, you, let's say you lay a Slack or a Discord on top of Twitter, which I think is absolutely possible. You've just quadrupled the valuation of Twitter overnight. I think that's the move. So in the simplest sense, you mean private communities. Private communities. Basically, private, private groups, private groups. basically. So, but I think this is, the, a, this is almost step A to, you know, there's to, to step F or maybe even Z. I don't know how many steps it's going to take to get there. But I think this acquisition is going to try to pave the way for private communities. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're, uh, well, I think it could be both. Right. I mean, this is this is one of those acquisitions that just makes sense for them because, one, it costs them literally a, a bucket of pucks. Yeah, I, I mean, they um, probably got to, this to, for nothing. Yeah. I mean, for them. really, for they probably yeah, they, they went to those guys and went, hey, all six of you will give you amazing jobs and signing bonuses. And, you know, they they I, I, I don't know what the revenue of, of review was, but I'm guessing it wasn't much um, in any event. I think it could be both, right? Which is, it could be the the way that they sort of. I'm not sure about a Slack, right? I'm not sure about a a sort of a, a collaboration maybe, document may, sharing. Uh, maybe tw- maybe Discord is a better. Discord, I think, is probably a better a better yes, model for that because that. Beca- yeah. because it's a you know it's it's sort of like Facebook private groups, right? Where through an email interface or a direct messaging interface, you can create this private group um, and and monetize it in some way, right? And so that's a broad way to say you could do it for publishing or you could do it as a corporation and or a company or a private group um, and create your own little private community to have your, you know, and not have to switch out platforms. Are you, right? are you subscribed you know? to any Substack? Newsletters? Yeah, okay. couple. Well, I'm subscribed to a few as well. And on a couple of them, they say, okay, well, please, okay, here's my free newsletter. And then you can say, okay, you could pay, let's say, $10 a month or 100 bucks a year to get my paid version. And then there's a step up from that where they'll say, well, if you're a paid member, what do you get? You not only get this you know, exclusive extra newsletter one time a week, but you get to join my Discord group. So these, and that's okay. You've got different technology going now. You've got Substack and now you've got Discord. Now this could move on into, oh, you've got review, which is really Twitter. Then, and then it moves into, oh, then you just click here and you can build your private community. That's kind of where I was going because it's already happening with Substack. It's just a Substack uses Discord. That's right. So. Yeah. And I think you're, I think that's right. Right. So it basically joins those two ideas together, yes. which is how do you monetize communities? You know, and we would, you know, you and I would call them audiences, um, but communities is sort of the level up from that, right? Where it's not only just a one-way street of broadcast content out to an audience, but it's a two-way street where you're allowing the audience to comment back and have conversations, right? You know, without, you know, moderation or with moderation or however you want to do it. So, By the way, are yeah. you, are you on, you're, you're, a, you're a Reddit person, right? You love Reddit, you're... I do. You're got your groups. I mean, if I'm looking at 
so you're totally with it. I mean, if I look at the behavior of my kids, that if you said what are the two websites they're on the most, I pro I mean, besides some of the gaming stuff, I would say there's three. One is Discord, um, two is Reddit, and three is Twitch. I mean, those are the three platforms of the because we're all you know we're all in social media we think we're all smart marketers here we're like oh it's facebook and instagram and tiktok and whatever by the way tiktok's huge and all that stuff but if you're looking at what what am i going to put my money behind it's these all the ways that you can create communities and that's why twitch is brilliant because twitch can do what youtube not to like go in a different direction but i'm trying to talk about the community aspect of this you can be on, you can watch somebody stream and you're talking with you know a thousand people at the same time. It's these really tight knit communities around something that I think take, taking it to the next level. And that's what you know. Let's go back to the news story now. That's what I love about this purchase. Even though I don't know, I haven't found anybody covering it this way because they're all saying, "Oh, it's a Substack killer" and blah blah blah. I don't think it's about Substack at all. I don't think so either. I don't. I mean. Twitter could have done that without yeah, buying the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you know, so, I mean, it, this is something in this technology you have to imagine or just the team. Uh, and I think that's really what they acquired here was a smart team um, is, you know, it, 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 it speaks to something else, right? In other words, they're not buying it. They're not buying this company to immediately have a place for Substack. Right. You know, because they would have bought Substack, you know, what I mean? they were they would have bought, <laughs> you know, true. they would have bought some other. Yeah. Right. You know, they would have bought some other company that looks like Substack a lot. You know, it has more existing revenue and customers and brand recognition, et cetera. This because honestly, I'd never heard of review before this acquisition um, tells me that they have something else in mind for it. Right. They had, And so what they were looking for was, quite frankly, a a team that really knew this space, how to create private messaging and community based, you know, uh, messaging and how do you, you know, how do you do that? So I think you're, I think you're right on the money. It is funny though. I mean, how long have you and I been talking about the power of email and newsletters? And now I think we're getting to, I mean, we're almost getting oh, to jump to shark level of hysteria well, around I, newsletters. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can remember back in the day, the th you know, old old email-based threaded discussions, right? I mean, you know, it's like, I, I'm going back to those days, right? Community servers where you would, you know, that were all driven by email and you, you know, you emailed in and then you got to digest back and uh, oh, it's like, it's, it's like, it feels like 1997 again, right? I mean, it's, uh, oh, right. You know, it, I mean, we, I, was ta I was talking about this with someone the other day where, where you know, so much of what's happening today with technology takes me back to some of the earliest days of the internet um, where, you know, the creation of private messaging, one-to-one -one messaging, groups, communities, you know, building those walled gardens were, that was the order of the day. And it just, it feels so much like that right now. Um, which is interesting to me, really interesting. We must go back to the future. <laughs> as long as it's not 1995. Oh, my God. Is it, we, but I we think, were just talking yeah. about, was it last week when we were talking about you know certain people being banned off of the social media platforms? It's just leading yeah. into this. People don't 
Yeah, exactly. You, you're, it's the rush from rented land to owned land. And this is that's a right. trend that's going to go on for a long, long time. And besides newsletters, you have newsletters and membership sites. And what else? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about a little bit of that. And, you know, when I Good. when I do my rant a little later, you know, it's it is exactly is exactly Good. that. All right. Well, let's move on to our next story here, which is something we talked about about a month and a half ago. um, And I told you I was absolutely enthralled with and have been following a little bit. And then you sent me this article and it's like, oh, here we go. And I I loved this article. This comes from the Wall Street Journal. Um, Maybe my favorite headline of the last few months. Um, And the headline is when SPACs attack, a new force is invading Wall Street. Uh, the article opens up by saying uh, the hottest thing in finance is four letters long. Former NBA star Shaquille O'Neal has one. So does former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Same goes for silver-haired hedge fund billionaire William Ackman. It's called a SPAC. And increasingly, it is the favorite source of financing for private companies looking to go public. Richard Branson's space exploration firm, Virgin Galactic Holdings, went public through a SPAC in 2019, and sports wagering firm DraftKings did so last year. Nearly 300 SPACs are now uh, seeking deals armed with about $90 billion in cash and are rolling out at a furious clip so far this year, an average of five new SPACs launched each business day. If you don't have your own SPAC, you're nobody, said Peter Atwater, founder of research firm Financial Insights. Uh, And the SPAC, by the way, stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. Basically, big pools of cash from groups of people that form a corporation and then find a private company, buy it and take it public quickly and then sell them and flip them. Uh, we used to call that Gordon Gecko back in yep. the days, but yep. you know, we'll see uh, what that has to do with it. But what do you think? What do you think about all this? Well, the reason why I'm so fascinated and, and the article alludes to it, there was one article I can't remember. I think it was on business insider. Maybe the one we covered, was the initial one about all these media companies. A media yeah, companies, getting, yeah. Doing I think this, that's, yeah. and that's really what I want to talk about. And of course, if you look at any industry right now, there's a SPAC. There's multiple SPACs, and they're on the, the lookout for any kind of private company that they can roll up. So it's so odd that they can go out and say, the mission is, okay, we've got billions of dollars now that we've created this public company, which is which is this SPAC. And they're like, okay, we're going to go out, and this is what we're identifying. And people are investing in a stock based on a mission statement or or let's say the mil, the billionaire behind it if you will oh yeah i want to do that uh you know branson's got this one i'm going to put all my money in there because he's trying to buy something re- you know, relevant to galactic holdings or space or whatever the deal is i think it's fascinating for media companies in two ways one is you're going to see a lot of the media companies that weren't able to get the big valuations like the buzzfeeds of the world they they might have their savior. I don't know how long this is going to last, but they could have their savior in the SPAC, which somebody might go ahead and purchase a company like that, take a chance on it. And the second thing I wanted to get your take on it, you, you've talked about this for a long time. Is it possible that a product company, product and service company, so a non-media company would say, I'm going to open up a SPAC and then I'm going to purchase media companies relevant to my business. Almost like you talk about, okay, I mean, even with review, and you've got Twitter buying that team. Could you have the same thing happen in a SPAC where they say, oh, we're going to buy all these media companies in this industry, and the 
the company behind it, it's almost like they set up their separate content marketing unit, if you will. I don't even know if that's possible, but from what I've seen this week in the last three weeks, anything crazy in investing is happening right now. Again, I don't know if this is good, but I think it's definitely going to happen. And then just like any other industry, you're going to have media companies that are just going to get swallowed up by these different uh, verticalized SPACs. Well, I think it's already happened. I think it's, you know, in, in many ways, we, and, and we've covered it, right, which is Aero Electronics. Um, you know, they acquired, what was it, 50, 55 52 media companies? Or something, yeah. 52, yeah, so it's more than 50, let's yeah. say. Um, and from, you know, UBM, from, uh, you know, EBN, Tech Online, uh, all of these different media companies, and they acquired, you know, newsletters, websites, all of that, and formed... Now, interestingly, they kind of did it in reverse. Um, they, you know, they they basically acquired it as Aero Electronics and then rolled them all up into uh, a separate LLC, actually, I believe. Yeah. yeah, basically a separate company um, to roll them up. But it would have, you know, it's not. It's just order of operation. It would have been, yeah. It would right? be it's easier not, to do yeah. it through a SPAC now. The other way around, yes. you know. And I'll bet you, if you were to peel back the covers, they actually did that first. In other words, I'll bet you the technical acquisitor of those companies was their LLC because that would help them sort of distance themselves legally and from indemnification from all of those media companies. and So I'll bet you the, they, they actually did what we're talking about, but, but the way that it was positioned because this wasn't that popular then was by saying Aero Electronics has actually acquired this. Now, so in, in many ways, it's already going on. It's just not being positioned as such. Um, and I think it's only a matter of time. I think it's only, you know, I mean, you know, I have noted how much M&A, uh, you know, activity is happening here in the first part of January in the tech space um, and especially in the MarTech space. But, you know, I, I have to imagine that we are very quickly going to start to see a flurry of M&A activity in the media space as well. And this is, yeah, I think this is, it's, it, it's only a matter of time. Well, let's dig a little deeper and talk about why this is happening, because I think it's really important. We, we talked a little bit about this, this K economic recovery we're seeing in the United States, which is absolutely, I believe, a thing with, with the different bailouts and the stimulus payments that have happened you have the rich have gotten way, way richer. And they have tons and tons of money lying around that they can't put into bonds right now because there's no money in bonds. So they're in the stock market. The stock market, as we'll talk about even more later, is going crazy right now. It's all over the place. So they're like, okay, well, what do you do? Now you've got this whole thing and you have people with a lot of money looking to put it somewhere. They're not going to leave it in cash because cash is like a big melting iceberg because you've got the government printing money and cash is going to be worth less and less because inflation is going to go through the roof here. So what are you going to do? This is the kind of stuff we're going to see. And I'm trying to figure out, Robert, if we're at the beginning of this process, mid part or end. And I think we're at the beginning. Beginning. Which is really nuts because it's already crazy. So what is it going to be like? So I guess so I guess let's come back to media and marketing. Where do you see what do you, what is this going to happen? Is this going to do anything to our industry? Like what what's the impact of all this money being thrown through the system right now? 
Well, I think you're going to see a consolidation of smaller media companies, right? I mean, that's I mean that's happening yes. anyway. You but know, even I mean, I was talking with yeah, I was talking with a with an investor group, New York Wall Street investor group this morning early, um, and we were talking about this. Um, what's going on now in the media, big media ecosphere, as it were, and what you're seeing now. I mean, and we talked about it on this show a couple of weeks ago, where we where we talked about how there's sort of a farm team system being developed now and a different model for, you know, littler or smaller uh, media companies that are becoming big, you know, Morning Brew being a great example of this, um, that at some point get to enough size where the big media companies see it and snap it up. And so, you know, you're seeing a real cliff because of the acquisition activity of companies that get, you know, there's now all of, you know, there's almost an algorithm, not quite, but there's almost an algorithm to say, once you get to X size, you're going to get acquired. And companies will learn that, you know, and, and, and if they're not already, right, if they're not already learning that, medium-sized media companies are learning that and they understand that once I get to X amount of subscribers or X amount of monetization or X number of, you know, my, my dollar value per subscriber, I'm going to get acquired or I'm, I'm a candidate to get acquired and they, you know, they go out to the open market and away they go. Right. And I think what you're going to see is these SPACs in this space start to really develop that algorithm, right. Develop that, that, you know, because they can roll those companies up and it'll be one part of, and they'll be competing quite frankly with the larger media companies, you know, your Netflixes or your, you know, um, you know, Hulu's and, and, uh, you know, everybody else, Twitter, Amazon, you know, at all, <laughs> basically, um, you know, for the, for, for, for acquiring these little media companies. And so what it does is that it basically squeezes out the middle, right? It squeezes out the middle. You're either small or you spike up to be big enough to be purchased, you know, and that's, that's the real key. By the way, when, while you were talking, I just did a quick search, and I won't tell you the site because uh, I have no idea to vouch for the veracity of this, but I just did a Google search for SPACs and media, and I came up with a guy who's maintaining a Google spreadsheet, and he now has 26 of them. There are 26 media-focused SPACs out there, and he's got everything from their, their IPO raise to their stock symbol to their current trading velocity. And they all, interestingly, seem to be trading in that ten dollar, uh, you know, uh, range, which is fascinating. I mean, it's 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 a thing. It's it, it is a thing now for sure. And there, and at the same time, you have this land rush for audience building. Yeah, and money exactly. being on the private side right, right now. And I wonder if you are a large company that hasn't gotten into the audience building business, if you start to see this and say, okay, now's the time. Almost when. You know how Walmart kind of held off on their e-commerce strategy so long? And they're like, no, we're not going to get into it. We're not ready. We're not ready. And then all of a sudden they got into it. They bought Jet and just went crazy into it. And now they're doing pretty well in e-commerce. That's yeah. kind of, I think, where we're, right where right before they bought Jet, there's like, I think a lot of these companies are. So if, let's take your 26 number. That's probably 100 plus by the end of the year at this rate. I would think yeah. so. I would think so. And let's throw a crazy notion into this thing, right? Which is, what about the group of companies, you know? So let's say you're, 
let's say you're in the business of, oh, let's say, I don't know, uh, human resources software, right? So you're an SAP or similar. Okay. And there are, there are a number, let's say that there's five or six, seven, eight competitors, big competitors in that space, right? And so why wouldn't you, if I'm the CMO or CEO of that company, go to, you know, and what you're trying to do is maintain uh, an active, interested market. It's, it's, it's in all of your best interest that that market continue to grow, you know, that you continue to expand the interest of that market, et cetera, and that media companies in your space continue to thrive. Um, but you compete. So you go to your competitors and you say, hey, listen, if we put together this group, so imagine an uh, aero electronics type of situation, and we put together a group, I mean, it, you know, I, I recognize the difficulty of getting everybody to agree to this, but, but you put together a group of your competitors to say, we're all going to chip in X amount of dollars, and we're going to basically subsidize our space in the media industry by acquiring all these companies and making sure that they thrive. And, and basically service our total addressable market so that it remains a total addressable market. You know, one of the things that I found so interesting about the business rationale that Aero Electronics had when they made their acquisitions was when they, you know, Victor would say, we're not competing against our competitors in this. We're competing against the other professions that engineers would mm -hmm. go into yeah. if engineering dies off as a practice. And so, you know, we're competing with you know, astronomy and mathematics and, and, you know, and computer engineering and all these things, if mechanical engineering goes away, you know, or people aren't as interested in it, well, they don't buy as many components and thus we suffer. So we're basically trying to keep an active TAM, our total addressable market, rising and, and growing so that they buy stuff. And it doesn't matter, quite frankly, if they buy it from us or our competitor, we just need them to buy stuff because it keeps us viable. And I think that's a really interesting idea for a group of competitors to come together in a coopetition way and keep their industry thriving in a media way by subsidizing ostensibly the 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 content i love that especially with you have so many traditional print-based media companies in vertical fields that are dying right now i could see those being scooped up and the other thing we talked about a couple weeks ago again would be consortium of newspapers uh, or four newspapers where you get four, six, eight of the largest companies in a region that says, we, you know, this newspaper's dying. Let's, let's take, let's take our community is too important. Let's take care of this. Same thing that you're talking yeah. about from a local standpoint. I love it. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it would end up I good or bad, <laughs> but I do like the right? idea because then you get some investment. If you can really keep, I don't want to say, there's really no church and state separation anymore. Well, it's, you know, it, it gets weird. It, it I, will I, get weird. I get there's that, a that, whole it, new model I get that got, it gets it's, weird. Well, yeah. it's weird because even I've been talking with a number of, you know, how in, with Morning Brew, you see a number of these models where you have a um, sponsorship program that runs through editorial. Well, in the past, like when I was at Penton 20 years ago and we did sponsorship, we had a separate editor and a separate editorial team that weren't talking with anyone else from the real editorial team because we didn't want to have anything tainted. And it has to be all on a, unto itself. You don't want the advertising to get in the way of the editorial. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Morning Brew, a lot of their editorial, they're, it's the same editorial team. 
Sure, of course, yeah. So yeah. there really well, isn't a church the, that you just have yeah. to have values and a mission. The culture is yes. changing for sure. Yes. The culture is changing for sure. And a lot of that, quite frankly, has to do with all of that, you know, trust in media and, and you know, what I ranted about last week with Edelman's trust barometer and how much, you know, business now being really the only institution that's seen as trustworthy and competent and media falling to the last place in that, you know, the opportunity, that's where you see that equalization. People, you know, it's a low bar right now of, of trust and, and, you know, and so, you know, the expectation now, whether or not you're actually doing it is that if you can create that trust, it kind of doesn't matter. So, you know, now the whole, keeping that perception up of having a separate editor for this and a separate editor for that, you don't need that anymore because the bar is so low. People kind of go, doesn't matter. We assume that you're, we assume that you're, like, you're, eh. you're dipping, you're double dipping. Yeah. yeah All right. right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a jaded cynical notion to it, right? Yeah. Oh God. All right. All right. Let's move on to our next story, which is actually thematically connected to this in terms of shifting business models. And this one comes to us courtesy of The Guardian, uh, theguardian.com. And interesting, the wonderful, infamous, famous, indescribable Rolling Stone, of course, Rolling Stone magazine, which has been around forever and ever, is now seeking thought leaders willing to pay $2,000 to write for them. Uh, by the way, big hat tip here uh, to Tom. Uh, now, Tom, I'm going to, once again, I always botch your last name, uh, Jira Simzuk. Uh, I hope I got that sort of right, but big tat, hat tip to Tom for sending this over via the hashtag. And the article opens up by saying Rolling Stone magazine is offering thought leaders, and they use that word in quotes, uh, the chance to write for its website if they are willing to pay $2,000 to, quote unquote, shape the future of culture. Uh, the storied magazine, which has published journalism by writers including Hunter S. Thompson, Patti Smith, and Tom Wolfe, approached would-be members of its new, quote unquote, culture council uh, by email telling them that they had a chance to join an invitation-only community for innovators, influencers, and taste makers. Emails seen by The Guardian suggest that those who pass a vetting process will pay a $1,500 annual fee plus $500 up front and will have the opportunity to publish original content to the Rolling Stone website. It suggests that doing so allows members to position themselves as thought leaders and share their expertise. Uh, the article goes on to talk a little bit more about the details there uh, and the pieces that are have been already published. Given this, what say you, this is exactly what we were talking about last week and this, the shift in pull and push when it comes to individual brands and media brands. Yes. Well, well, my hatred of this idea is on multiple levels, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There you go. I like it. I, uh, this, this is exactly what, what was, wasn't it called Forbes council? Yeah. Did the same thing. There you go. This is, and we yeah. talked about it six years ago when they started that horrible idea where it's pay to play. I don't like it because you're just disguising it. I'd rather you just come out and say it. Don't get this thought leader thing. Don't you're, oh, you're part of the culture council and you can have access. Oh, give me a break. Why is Rolling Stone one of the greatest brands of all time doing something? The greatest like counterculture, this? by the way, the big, one of the greatest counterculture brands of all time. Yeah. So why would you yeah, do this? And by the way, yeah. it's not like it's, they're not asking 200,000, right? They're not, this isn't going to have a meaningful dent into their P&L. This is just sad, in my opinion. I don't know why you would do this. You'd be better off just asking the council members to 
Hey, if you want to write, that's great. It'll vet through our editorial process and we'll get more people to our website and you can monetize it that way off the back end. Why would you have somebody do 1500 with a 500 kicker for this? I don't get it. So maybe I'm missing yeah. something. Do you, do you know why you would do such a thing? Well, I do um, because one of the things that it reminded me of was a story that we covered back in January of last year. Uh, and then subsequently in two years previous to that, which was the acquisition of Rolling Stone. I don't know if you remember or yeah. not. Um, but in, uh, in, in Penske Media Corporation, um, which every time I hear Penske, I think it's the Seinfeld episode. But um, anyway, um, he's a Penske man. Uh, anyway, so make myself giggle there. Um, and they acquired the remaining 49% stake in 2019, January of 2019 of Rolling Stone. Um, this is a money play. This is absolutely a revenue play, right? This is a, you know, this is a revenue play to try and keep Rolling Stone relevant. Uh, I'm sure they looked out on the, the, the sort of landscape of other publishing companies that have tried these kinds of things and said, yeah, we should try it too. And maybe if we do this, we can start to attract in their, you know, thought leaders, quote unquote, which will make other thought leaders want to write for us. And thus we can invite them and we don't necessarily have to monetize it. Right. In other words, this creates an exclusivity. You know, this is not unlike a pricing structure where you introduced something at a really high price. And then when you lower the price, it's considered, you know, it, it, you, you give you, you're providing access to this exclusive, amazing thing that's worth, you know, $2,000. So if this works even a little bit, what I'm guessing the strategy is at some point is to say, to go out to writers and thought leaders and say, hey, listen, we'd like you to be a, a part of this, but we're not going to make you pay. Um, and we're going to give it to you for free to entice these bigger author brands to come in and, and, and write for them. That's that's my guess. You're probably right, and it's still a horrible idea. Yeah, it's, it's still a bad idea. Because I'm running the it's numbers. Still a, you know how many... Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's just a financial maneuver, you really have to get a lot of people to sign up for this to make oh it at God, all yes. worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about... I mean, let's just take, and I know things have changed with the print industry, but what it used to, 100000 for a print advertising page in That's Rolling right. Stone, something like that? Yep. <laughs> it probably still, you probably still get one for thirty-five to 50000 I don't know what it is, but geez, I don't get it why you would roll in the mud for this. I don't either. So, yeah. well, but it is, it is identical if my memory serves to what Forbes did. So pretty, pretty darn pretty close. Darn yeah. Close. Pretty, pretty darn close. If you thought yeah. it was this great thing. And Oh, by the way, if you want to, you're going to have to pay to get in. Yeah. And that didn't work. And then they just came up with the Forbes contributor network. That's right. And then what did they just, then Forbes just launched something else. So whatever. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not cynical about no, it no. at all. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move quickly on to our last story here, uh, which comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch um, and also sent over by a wonderful listener. Hat tip to Michael Stelzner, our good friend, Michael Stelzner of Social Media Examiner and and, um, uh, and the wonderful things that they do. Sent over this thing. He is, of, of course, an unabashed fan of the new social media platform Clubhouse. Um, have you been playing a little more with Clubhouse? A little bit lately? here and there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, 
talked about a little bit in my newsletter today and had a few invites and sent those out to people just if, if people were interested and seems to be all continues all the rage and it's you know it's almost oh, yeah. like it's uh it's gamestop stock or something like that yeah it's definitely hot right now it's definitely got the buzz um and according to this TechCrunch article uh the headline is clubhouse announces plans for creator payments and raises new funding led by andreessen horowitz the article opens up by saying buzzy live voice chat app Clubhouse has confirmed it has raised new funding without revealing how much in a Series B round led by Andreessen Horowitz through the firm's partner Andrew Chen. The app was reported to be raising at a $1 billion, that's the S billion with a B, uh, valuation in a report from The Information that landed just before this confirmation. Uh, as the article says, while we try to track down the actual value of this round, um, some people are pegging it at $100 million bucks. Uh, and the subsequent valuation of the company, what we do know is that Clubhouse Clubhouse has confirmed it will be introducing products to help creators on the platform get paid, including subscriptions, tipping, and ticket sales. Uh, it goes on to talk about what they're calling the Creator Grant Program, um, which will be sort of funding some of these creators uh, in the meantime. But basically, the article talks about the monetization routes for Clubhouse and this being one of them. What say you, uh, Joe Polizzi? Well, I think Clubhouse has done a very good thing by keeping it minimal um, invite only. So right now, I mean, it, I I didn't think well, it was it's, in, it's invite it's invite only in the way that a house party is invite only, right? I, mean, I understand that, yeah. but there's a lot, and I didn't realize this because I sent my note on Clubhouse, and I just said at the end in my newsletter, I said I've got a couple invites left. If you want one, let me know. I got, I, I got a. I don't know what it was right now. I just sent it out. It's like 30, 35 people coming back to me saying, I can't get one. Can you get me? I mean, people can't get an invite. You got to know somebody. It's just not an open thing. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you could say what it really is. I didn't think that there, there was that much of a need. Uh, <laughs> out there for there, you know, let's be clear there's not there's not a need but 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 please continue well, i guess what i'm saying is is that first of all there's a buzz about clubhouse yes so there they've is. done a really good job with that and the couple times that i've been on when i get into whatever uh i call it a party line <laughs> you get on the party yeah, line right there's usually some big influencer or a celebrity at least in the ones that I've been to, because there's only 2 million people on the app right now. And by the way, it's only iPhone right now. But I guess they're they're working on the Android launch for this. Um, yeah. But I think what it's shown us is there is a market for social media audio. And, you know. Well, I think Discord shows that, yes. right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, and. I didn't know. I think they've done it in a really interesting way where you go into these groups, everyone can see you, which I'm not a big fan of because sometimes I like to stay. I don't want people to know I'm in the group if I want to just check it out. Oh, there Joe sure. pops in. Yeah. Some, they've seen me. Uh, but I don't know how many. Have you been called up to the stage no, yet? No, no, I'm not. No, I leave. Okay. I don't want that. But there's a number of now. What I, I saw another article, six or seven companies that are getting into this area as copycats. So this is a thing. Do you think it has legs? I don't know. I really don't. I, you know, I have to continually separate my disinterest from what's really happening in the world. Right. You know, in other words, I, 
you know, if I if I if I sort of take off my my hat, my Robert Rose hat, because I have, you know, I've been surfing around it and listening to a few things, and I just couldn't be less interested in the content. I mean, I just, you know, it's I don't I, I don't get it, right? Uh, you know, and but I'm that guy in you know the movie Toy Story, right? I don't get it, you know. So um, I get that I'm I'm you know I'm old and persnickety and and may not be hip to what's actually going on here, and I fully admit that. So I'm trying to, as best I can, um, keep an open mind about it. But I, I don't I, I don't know I, I don't know is the is the real answer here. I don't see, quite frankly, how it. You know, I, I see so many challenges with uh, with it being a good marketing platform um, and ultimately a good content creator platform unless they start allowing those content creators to create archives um, where you can go back, go back and, and do asynchronous it, listening. Because yeah. just for people listening. You go in and you're, yeah, you're, so right, you're, you're right only, in the middle of a conversation going on. Exactly. So you're only as good as your last post, quote unquote, you know, your last room, you know, so any club is only as popular as its last meeting was. And so I have so many challenges with that from a marketing perspective. I mean, it's sort of like rented land in rented land, you know, it's like rented land where the, you know, where the party is never in the same place. And so it's, I, I have a lot of challenges with it and as well as I have a lot of challenges with the, and I know every social media platform goes through this, but right now the, the, it, it, it I've watched, interestingly, I've watched it swing, right? When I first got on board in mid December, literally a month ago, um, the majority of the conversations that I saw happening on it were, social justice, diversity, talking about, you know, they were, they were interesting, very interesting conversations around social justice and diversity and some of the politics around that and, and those kinds of things. And it has very switched. And, and maybe this is just a, a matter of the people that I've chosen to follow and et cetera, et cetera. But it has very quickly turned into sort of the money-making bro culture of, you know, millionaire this and millionaire that and, you know, and check out my Ferrari and, you know, my top 10 well, you know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. I, I, I get it. But you're right. It is who you follow. So like, Yeah, of course. And, and so our friend uh, Michael Stelzner, he would say, you really have to go through the people that you follow and pair those Ferrari-loving yeah. <laughs> people out right. of the mix, and you will get you know, more representative sample of what you would like to engage in. That's that's right. You have to very, very... It's unlike, uh, unlike your Twitter, I think, algorithm or your Facebook algorithm where... Definitely not like Facebook, you are a, yeah. Yeah, where you are not associating with people based on whether you know them or like them. You are associating with those people based on the content that they consume. It's a very different thing, right? You know, because in other words, I can like you, respect you, listen to you on a particular topic that you write about, but perhaps, you know, in your off time, you listen to that millionaire crap. And, and so what I'm going to get if I follow you on, uh, on, on, on uh, Clubhouse is that, right? In other words, I'm not going to get your feelings on marketing or sales or strategy. What I'm going to get is 
the, you know, the clubhouses, their clubs that you follow and the content that you follow. So it's a, it's a, it's a subtle, but very important difference in terms of the, 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 the community that you start to follow, because you're not following the usual suspects of the, the, as content creators that you enjoy reading their opinions. It's the content that they follow. You see what I mean? It's it's a it's a it's a different idea. Uh, yeah, it, it it's definitely different. I didn't think it would take off, but again, I didn't think because I know I want to get to rants and raves, but I'll make this comment. Yeah, T- Twitch is a really good example. I didn't see coming the way it is because I t- I look at the way my son uses Twitch and he has programming set up. He follows this streamer from eight to nine, this one from nine to ten, this one from ten to ten to one. I mean, almost just like here's what I used to watch on the television, but I've got these Twitch streams. I didn't see that kind of thing coming, and that's that's sort of. It's a great way to put it. Actually, it's a great. It's 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 basically you're following the content, not the yeah. people. I mean, it's yeah. It it's really crazy the way these things are changing so fast. Where I, did I see that Twitch would? Um, cram into YouTube space so quickly? No, I mean, no. And right now, if you said, who's going to be bigger in five years, I'll put all my money on Twitch. All of it. Yeah, oh, for sure. Over oh, over a YouTube absolutely. and whatever. And that's where you get back to the Amazon comment of Amazon's going to dominate, continue to dominate the world. Regardless, you know, back to right. Clubhouse. Yeah. It's just strange, strange things are happening with human behavior right now. <laughs> so you don't yeah, know. Yeah, you don't yeah know. that's true. That's, that's a good point. By the way, total side note before we get to rants and raves, you are totally slaying me right now on our bet on Apple TV versus uh, HBO Max. I mean, I just, an article we didn't cover in the show purposely because I'm not going to cop to it yet. Um, HBO Max is just killing it when it comes to new subscriber growth. So well, and, and you, you may win that bet well, a lot sooner it, than It's not that. May. It's will. It's, it's almost a done deal, you know, but <laughs> right, thank you yeah. for the kind yes. words. But the reason yes. is programming. Apple yeah, exactly. TV plus with the, I love some of the programming they have. It's just not enough. You have to have, I know, I don't know what they're of, doing. Of I don't, yeah. And HBO max has something coming out every week or every other week. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't yeah. either. What an opportunity right. they have. I don't know what, why they're not yeah. more releases. I, I, I don't get yeah. it. I I got because I'm waiting it, for the All Justin right. Timberlake release to come out on the 29th. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Um, so um, it is now time for your empirically proven favorite part of the show. That is our rants and rave section when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like uh, we've got invested in GameStop uh, stock or something that makes us feel like we're a hedge fund these days. And this week, uh, let do you, you know what? I'm going to let you close, okay. um, because it's based, uh, it'll be a nice bookend for our initial conversation. I have a very short rave. Um, this, the news story that we'll link to in the show notes here comes from Digiday. Um, and the headline is, uh, Denmark's biggest news site has cut reliance on Google's technology. The article covers how, um, Extra Blade, I'm guessing is the pronunciation of that Danish news site. It's the Dan- Denmark's biggest news site, 500 million page views per month, basically has reached the point where they finally said goodbye to Google Analytics uh, in favor of a homegrown alternative that they call Longboat, and they haven't looked back. 
Um, and as they say, while it's too early to call the switch an outright success, there is huge upside that they are seeing by getting rid of uh, the cookies that are associated with Google Analytics and, quite frankly, the insight that they're getting from building their own. Now, I'm old enough to remember, and this goes back to the top of the show when we talked about stuff, when we used to build our own analytics, yeah. right? We Before before Google Analytics, there was a thing called Web Trends. And before Web Trends, there was some other little minor s- solutions out there that measured hits you know, to your web page, and it was all server-based. You would download them nightly, and then you would sort of come up with your own ways to represent those graphs. Um, and we, quite honestly, when I was back in consulting in the mid-90s and, and late-90s, we built our own web analytics tools. And then when, of course, Web Trends was acquired and, and became Google Analytics, um, well, we stopped and basically you know, ended up you know, going into the industry standards that it became. Uh, but again, here we are. It feels like the future again. Um, and um, here we are building, thinking about building our own analytics because... It gets rid of that third-party cookie, and it gets, you know, we're all in first-party cookies now, and it makes things more secure, and it makes things more um, in, you know, we can get more data than we can get than Google gets to us. I think this is a really, really interesting trend, and I'm, I just, I'm going to be following this very, very closely um, to see if they're successful with this. There are all the obvious caveats to this, right? Will, will their advertisers trust it? Yep. Will there, you know, can they continue to scale it? Can they continue to deliver on it? All of those things are 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 absolute challenges. But if they can make this work, I think this is a really interesting um, way that publishers, media companies, and ultimately brands can start to really embrace the uh, whole idea of first party data full stop, right? You know, which is not only just looking at first party data from a, what data are we getting, but how are we generating that data as well? So I go encourage you to go read this article, um, and, uh, and follow this topic because it's, I think it's just fascinating. Well, we made the decision as publishers about 20 years ago that we were going to let Google dominate the world. And one of the reasons that's right. One of the things we did is we said, okay, Google analytics is the, is the analytical system that everyone will use. And plus yep. they made it free. So that was very, very helpful in the process. That, yeah, well, that was helpful. Uh, yes, exactly. Just like Gmail, it's the same thing. So That's I would right. love to see yep. another player come in here, another couple players, or to your point, just about homegrown. But just we're starting to try to untangle ourselves from big tech like Google and Amazon. It's just hard to that's do. That's right. Which is very, very hard yeah, to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, all right. So mine is just a bit, we've been you know, talking about the whole GameStop thing. My journey, I have a little bit of a take on this. My journey started, just, I don't know, not even a week ago from this point. My friend Jim texted me. He says, check out Game GME stock. GME is the ticker for GameStop, the retail gaming company. And so I checked it out, and I'm, I don't know, at the time it was like 30 or $40, and it was starting to just take off. And as you have already mentioned, just today, and today is the 28th, it's gone, I believe it opened at around close to $500. It went down to about $100, and right now I don't know what it is, but it was sitting between 200 and 250 Just crazy that this thing yeah. happens. And, of course, I understand that... a. Something like this could happen to a pharma stock, uh, you know, that gets FDA approval, or a, you know, a tech company that was just purchased. But this is GameStop, and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how does this happen? Well, 
There's a lot of reasons for this, but one of the reasons is over the past few months, a group of young investors on a Reddit group called Wall Street Bets. By the way, if you're going to go check out this Reddit group, do so with <laughs> it is a yeah. It, yeah. There is no couth in this group. Yeah, um, that's right. It is really, really nuts. But this, so a couple of these investors were saying, "Look, we want to get on the bandwagon for GameStop to buy it." And then, as this process started to happen, more and more people were picking on large hedge funds that were shorting the stock. GameStop is the most short, maybe not now, but at least from the start of this process, was the most shorted stock on the New York Stock Exchange. Over all of its, more than all of its shares were shorted. Uh, So basically what happened is you had this group of investors started to create a buzz around it, started to go up, 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 and then we call this a short squeeze. And all the people that were having, had shorts, basically shorts they're betting it goes down. That's a problem because if you hold a short, this thing could keep going up and up and you're just losing money. And there was one company, there's many companies, but one in particular called Melvin Capital had so many dollars shorted on this one. They actually had to take a bailout of $2.75 billion. And on top of that, once they got the bailout from another investment company, Robert, they, they lost over $5 billion on top of that because they couldn't get out of the short in time. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. And this is yeah. all because David is pulling down Goliath in this little Wall Street bets group. And by the way, you should note that all kinds of people are just thinking this is the worst thing in the world where you've got the Justice Department involved and you've got politicians saying this is horrible. And of course, the suits on the street are saying this is terrible that a group of individual investors could do this. And I say, it's about time you get a little bit of your own medicine. If you're going to take a bet that big, you got to know there's risks involved and they're not crying when an individual investor loses all of his all of his or her money. So I just think I don't know if this is a rave or not, but I'm just I just think this is one crazy year and if we're starting to see this mania happen now, and by the way, this has gone from GameStop to AMC to I, as you said, iRobot, lots of different companies that have been shorted have seen a big spike this week and people are losing and making a lot of money and i think the thing that i'm trying to get out of this robert is you're seeing more of this happen because people are banding together online over one or two specific things and when that's happening drastic things can happen as we've seen in many different places besides the stock market right now the story is the stock market who knows what it's going to be next week but i say this is probably just the start of this yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, when a group of people can come together, I mean, it's already starting to happen in other areas, this idea of, you know, I mean, we've been loosely calling it crowdsourcing, right? Where, um, you can get a group of people together in a common way. And if they all start acting in the similar fashion, big things can yeah. ha- take place. Big change can take big place. Right? Movement. There you are know, movements that can happen it, and whether you want to call them right. crazy or not, uh, you know why this happened hasn't happened in insurance pooling yet is and, and it's starting to right you know you see these startup insurance companies that build pools of common people that can act like employee insurance and 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 those kinds of things that that's that's another another area where this kind of thing can happen but this is disruptive right because let's be really clear here what these group of people these investors are doing on reddit or you know, whether it's Reddit or Discord or 4chan or whatever it is, you know, 
they're not doing anything different than the hedge funds have been doing for years. This is exactly what hedge funds are built to do. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, are they in one office building or not? And, and, and so those that are complaining that this is, you know, somehow, you know, a bunch of crazy lunatic hackers, you know, doing stuff. No, it's the same thing. It's just happening on a, now it's happening in the typical way the internet happens with, you know, lots of anti-Semitism and, oh my <laughs> and you God, know, not safe for work language so and horrible. really awful, go in there. awful people. Yeah. But it's the same exact thing that's happening in, in, on wall street as well. So yeah, it's, it will be very interesting to watch this, uh, play out because what's happening is, is you're already starting to see the institution push back, right? You know, like TD Ameritrade and some oh, they of the stock block, trading they have, platforms. They some of the trading. They've, they've, yeah, exactly. And you're like, which and then, is, then you're, which isn't fair because then the individual investor can't trade it. Now I know exactly. why they did it. That's right. Big bank, of course. But, um, right. They, right. They're a big bank and they're getting, you know, they're getting squeezed just like everybody else is. Right. So, and by the way, this is the you know. this. And I'm sure people listening to this know this has been the talk of everything this week. Both my kids were talking about it because there's memes going on. I mean, and then you got Elon oh, Musk yeah. got in on it. And by the way, the, and I did check out uh, the Wall Street Bets board and the one guy that sort of made the most commotion about this thing. He's made well over fifty million dollars on this off of fifty thousand dollars. So yeah, it's pretty. It's crazy. It's, it's real money. Yeah, yeah. It's real, real money is going. Real, real money's money. going on when when a hedge fund yeah. has to take a two point seven right. five billion dollar load and then loses another five billion dollars on <laughs> yeah, top. Of exactly. It. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I should laugh. Yeah, I'm sure there's people that yeah. lost. Well, their jobs, but. you know, margin margin calls really suck. Yeah, everyone saw trading <laughs> places, right? Uh, this is yeah, uh, this that's is what right. happens. This is exactly that's exactly, exactly it. right. Don't do it. Yeah. I have to tell my kids, like, hey, there were there trading places. There were winners and losers, losers of that one. So you know, just be careful. So. Oh my god, that's so good. That's trading places. Exactly yeah. it. Hey, looking good, Billy Ray. <laughs> So, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you got? You got you're you're going home this week, yeah, or are yeah, you going to stay, or what are you doing? We're going to go back home on on Saturday. I don't know if I'll get to stay much longer than this, but uh, but yeah, just gonna gonna head back and and get into uh, you know still working on the new version of Content Inc. and that's coming out in May, as everyone knows, and uh, just getting back into hopefully spring type weather in Cleveland. But I think we got we've got a ways to go. As you're hitting your you nice. know 50 degrees for winter, you know we're hitting single digits. It's not fun. Nice. So yeah. that's okay. It's not fun. That's all good. How about you? What do you got going on? Uh, you know, it'll be a snuggly weekend here um, as we get uh, some rain and some cold. And I'm just heads down. I'm working. My, my big project right now is the 2021 uh, Masterclass, uh, yes. which I'm super proud of this year. Just I've had, I've had the time to really make it the biggest and best ever. So it's not going to be six hours. It's going to be like nine Ooh. hours of material. And... I'm I'm just really excited about it. So um, yeah, I'm busy designing slides and getting scripts ready and getting ready to record. So that's my that's you my know, three whole hours. The last three whole extra hours of Robert Rhodes. You might want to write for Rolling Stone no. magazine. Yeah, right there you go. There you go. There yeah. it is. All right, we'll just leave that yes, sitting leave right there and sign off. And by the way, folks, if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes or dive into any of the other 255 episodes 
uh, just head on over to our shiny new website that thisoldmarketing.site. And of course, we want to thank the really good folks over at Radix for powering our thisoldmarketing.site. Radix, a great, great way to get domains. Um, And until we meet again, just remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.